We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bizarre coaching choices, immense performances, and all the drama you can ask for. It's the best day of the tournament so far. This is the Arsenal Vision Euro 2020 Daily. My name is Elliot Smith, the Bachman Twitter, Yankee Gunner. No humorous intro because I couldn't think of one. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, the whole thing is just like, I can't feel my face. Um, I just, I don't know what to do with my arms. What a crazy freaking day that was. Um, we did a podcast earlier, by the way. We did a whole rumor roundup. So if you want to get that, it, it's literally like on the same place you're getting this. Uh, but it is covering Lakanga and James Madison and Aaron Ramsdale and uh, uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of things. Tavares, um, Smith Road to Aston Villa, which is certainly not happening. How to evaluate the transfer window. So we have all that. We also announced officially, finally, 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 Las Vegas, August 20 to 22nd at the win. Football Fest 2021. I can explain why that has to be the name, but I'll do it another time. It's kind of boring. But the website is now up. The registration is open. I'm happy to say already 200 of you have checked in and registered. So... It is going to be a fun event. There are watch parties, cocktail parties, um, live Q&A, podcast. By the way, WWE SummerSlam and a Pacquiao fight that same weekend. Going to be just an epic weekend in Vegas. And for those of you who can make it, I can't wait to see you. And for those of you who can't, we'll do something in London. We'll do something everywhere once everywhere is open and accessible. Uh, So there is that. By the way, if you do want a Saliba and Ben White hybrid scouting video, uh, Clive and I did one on the Patreon feed. Okay, enough of that. Phil's on Twitter, underscore Phil Costa. Hello, Phil. Hello, Phil. Are you on mute? Yep, Phil's on mute. Oh, yeah, there it sorry. is. There it is. I was on mute. Yeah, no, you had, that that's, your inaug- that's your inaugural mute failure, and that's fine because yeah. it's like, it's you like know why? late it's, and crazy. It's yeah. because I had, uh, there's obviously some Swiss people in the neighborhood, <laughs> and they're just like with the sirens and everything, so I was trying to keep it quiet. But No, it's a day forgot, for sirens. So. Can you feel your face? Do you know what to do with your arms? How are you feeling? <laughs> <sighs> No, I mean, last minute match report alterations are no um, surprise to anybody in this industry, but having to do it twice in one day when you've seen about a million goals, it's just, it was a lot. And it's um, crazy because the narrative swung so widely, right? I mean, Phil, you had you had a, a probable Spain, egg, a possible Spain exit, 
an almost certain Spain progression, an uncertain Spain progression, a possible France exit, an almost certain France progression, an uncertain France progression, then a France exit. Like, my goodness, how do you, how do you keep up with it? <laughs> You don't, and especially when you have to do match reports, best 11 pieces, man of the match pieces, it just changes so quickly. Um, and, yeah, you're, like, spamming your keyboard, like that clip from Bruce Almighty when he's just mm. answering all the emails and it's just madness. But, you know, it was such an enjoyable day, so I didn't really mind too much. Let's put it in context for a second. Can you think of a better single day, single elimination day of tournament football in your life? No, no, I can't. I mean, there was a couple of um, mad games, obviously, in the past. I mean, even last year, Bayern beating Barcelona 8-2. Then there was obviously the Suarez handball, which was just a completely unique occasion. But I can't remember two games like that with so much going on and so much changing in such a short amount of time. So it was just football at its best, really. I think the the expression is football bloody hell. Um, a great a great great day for those kinds of uh, those kind of statements certainly. So we'll go through the games and then we'll just briefly briefly look to uh, England Germany. It's late where you are. It's getting late where I am. For goodness sake, <laughs> let's let's go in reverse order. Let's start with the one that's freshest in the memory, and that's France uh, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I just want to ask you is like. How much of this is on Deschamps for the absolutely inexplicable decision to go with a back three? Not just a back three, but Langlet in the middle of it. Langley, whatever. Um, he doesn't deserve to get his name pronounced right the way he played. Um, <laughs> just absolutely monstered for the for the header that gives Switzerland the lead and like didn't know where the ball was. And I just, you know, Arsene Wenger in the studio was saying when he saw the back three, basically, when you have the superior talent, don't adjust your tactics for the opposition. Deschamps went dare I say it, full Unai Emery, and uh, I think ultimately pays the heavy price. Now, when you get to 3-1, you have the right to expect not to have to be punished for the way you went you know, behind in the first half and the error you made in the first half, but how much blame falls on him in your mind for starting that way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wasn't entirely convinced by the decision to go to a back three in the first place. I know they're weak in fullback areas anyway with, with injuries and Obviously, they lack a, a truly natural right back. I know Pavard plays there normally, but for me, he's not like a traditional fullback. Um, and obviously, they've had some really bad luck with injuries. But still, I, I don't think there was sort of enough um, to, to change the whole system for Switzerland. Um, I know they won the game, but for me, France should have been comfortable in their formation. That's been tried and tested um, and the owner should have been on Switzerland to adapt around them. And actually, particularly in the first half an hour, they were just getting in down the sides time and time again. And obviously he made the change at, at half time. But I don't know, it just felt everything felt off. They didn't really know where to be, where to stand, who was going, who was staying. And it was just a bit of a mess, really. And for sure, that falls on the manager. Yeah, I mean, it. It's just one of those things that, again, I mean, you can say they got it back to 3-1, so there's no blame there. But it, it is the case that, like, the way France were playing when they switched to the back four and the extent to which Switzerland couldn't handle it could have been the way the game started and could have created a situation where France were out of sight. I mean, maybe not. Now, I have to admit, like, 
there was a point in this game, you know, right after Pogba strokes the beautiful goal from the outside of the box, upper right corner, I was like, he is just taking this tournament over. I think he's been their best player. He was dominant again today. He puts it on a plate for Mbappe. Is there is there a better dichotomy? Is there, is there a better, I think, sort of um, microcosm of, of the highs and lows of France than the day Pogba had and the day Mbappe had? Yeah, I mean, Mbappe really didn't have his, his shooting boots on, not just today, but, but in the whole tournament. And I, I think there was a stat going around that he's missed four big chances at Euro 2020 with only Alvaro Morata missing more. I think he's on six. So, and Morata got his redemption you know, that, today. So. And he did, yeah, which unfortunately Mbappe didn't get yeah. at the end. But um, I still thought in, in terms of the overall play, I thought, you know, he still contributed a lot, um, particularly in both goals. Um, I thought he played a really nice role in both of them. But in, just in front of goal, he really lacked that clinical edge that we're so used to. And, you know, even when he was sort of running onto that chance that you mentioned, having been played through by Pogba, his body shape just didn't seem right. And he was kind of stretching for it on his left. And why doesn't he just step was, like open his body and put it in the far, I like, know. far corner like Thierry Henry would have done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I was expecting, honestly. I mean, that just showed you how sort of, leggy and lacking confidence he was at that moment and I just think you know even stepping up for that penalty you just see the 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 guy score for Switzerland and all of a sudden I think that pressure dawned on him very quickly um and yeah it wasn't the greatest penalty I mean obviously Sommer had to save it but yeah it was kind of at the perfect height not too quick uh as a strike so yeah, it's a real sickener for him, but I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back. But it wasn't a, a good tournament for him at all, and not for me either, because I predicted him getting the golden boot. So, well, you also predicted uh, Turkey to be good. So it you know it's it's all falling in the line. <laughs> I mean, yes, it, it, it's so interesting. Just some some of the ways things shook out. Do you have a sense of what went wrong for France once they're up three one? I mean, the obvious answer is they. They, they let two goals go in, but like, what what did they do wrong there? I mean, what was it about France? Because it kind of felt like they didn't have a defensive game plan in this game. They just never really felt like they had control of it. The game felt open and available to Switzerland throughout. And I don't really understand why France, whose whole group stage was sort of dominated by an ability to close down games and feel very comfortable. They get a 3-1 lead. They've been a boa constrictor basically with with the lead this tournament, but they never got, they really never got their hands around this one. No, no, I agree. I mean, they worked so hard to, to get ahead. Um, I think it was two things really. I think the first was having watched the game unfold earlier. Uh, I think they saw Switzerland score at a pretty much a perfect time with 10, 10 minutes to go plus injury time. And maybe they thought, Oh crap, it's going to happen again. Uh, to what happened to Spain earlier. And naturally they're, their instinct was to was to drop, you know, and whoever you are, however good you are as a team, when you drop and invite the team onto you, anything can happen. So, you know, they already got a, a, a bit lucky with that offside goal that was really marginal at the end, even though it looked miles off in in real time. And obviously they managed to, to score it in the end. And also, you know, Switzerland deserve credit. I mean, we mentioned yesterday with Paul, like momentum a hell of a drug in football it can really take you far and and do a lot for your teams it can give you that extra 
that extra burst of speed or that extra bit of composure if you need it. And Switzerland was slowly banging on the door. And to be fair, they they managed to do it. And I thought they they had their moments today and really deserved um, to take something from the game. I didn't think it was a, a smash and grab by any means. Yeah, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't pick out Granit Xhaka, who you could argue this season has just played his best football in general. Like, I'm not a Shaka guy, and I think, you know, from an Arsenal standpoint, probably ready to move on from him. But in terms of his level this season, I think it's been consistently probably among his best. And the way he plays for Switzerland is pretty generally very good, but he was he was excellent in this game. And that sort of carry through the midfield followed by a sort of seeing-eye pass to create the equalizer. I mean, it's, it's all the stuff that, in a way, I felt, Shaka doesn't do. I mean, carrying the ball forward in transition, attacking central spaces with his passing, it's brilliant. And it's, I, I thought he was great all game. Yeah, he was brilliant. And actually, I'm really pleased for him because I think he deserved a night like this. And I think actually his best performances come on nights like this as well. You know, when it's kind of tough and a bit of a slog and you need a, someone to step up, I thought he was excellent. And actually... I've got some some numbers here. He completed the most passes, the most forward passes, most passes into the final third, most successful long passes, and most successful through balls out of anybody on the pitch. Um, and that is, you know, when you consider what company he's in, that's quite an impressive shift, and I'm just really pleased for him. Um, you know, obviously, it looks like his, his future is not at Arsenal, but I've got a lot of time for him as a player and as a person. And I think he deserved uh, a night like tonight because he was excellent. Yeah. I mean, look, I'd be lying if I said he's been my favorite player, uh, a player that I struggled to warm to just candidly. I think people know that, but I would say that he has been very, very good for Arsenal this season by the standards of what the, the team was in general. And, uh, you know, I think whatever role he was given, whether he was given that difficult left back role or dropping into the the defensive line in the first phase of build up from his central midfield role, when he got to partner with Party, he looked very good. But really, in that equalizer, the things he does—the carrying up the pitch, the attacking a central space with a through ball—I mean, those are things that we we would say are things we we don't get from Shaka. Reasons why we've been saying we sort of need to move on from Shaka, and they're on display there, and I I think it's great. Um, a couple of just final thoughts on this game. Do you have any sort of misgivings or sadness about France crashing out in the sense that like sometimes it's fun to see all the the Titans make it later in the tournament or are you sort of happy seeing them get what they probably deserve from what arguably was a lackluster performance throughout the tournament for them? Yeah, actually no, I've got no issue with them them going out. I know I backed them as favorites and many did. Uh, that and one you have so. no apology to make. You were not alone. <laughs> no, no. And and even the same with Portugal. For me, I, I've i said it so many times with you on this podcast already during the last couple of weeks. I understand that international football is, is, is a slower game. It's slightly more pragmatic. But it's like some of the, the talent in these sides and they're just not being set up to to suit the players. I really don't understand it. I know Didier Deschamps is a sort of very pragmatic coach. Naturally, we know what he's like. He won the World Cup without exactly setting the world alight in in Russia. But I just I just look at the side and I think, look at the guys you have here and you're wasting them. You know, there's, there's no encouragement for these guys to get on the ball and, and show some personality or talent or 
you know, it's very much system first and, you know, it's almost as down to the players to kind of break free from the shackles, you know, Pogba doing, you know, a few couple of moments of magic every game, whether it's a, a perfectly backspin weighted pass to Mbappe or whacking one into the top corner. That's just so against the grain for, for what we see for the rest of the game. I mean, even Benzema's goal today, the first one, I mean, that, that touch to be able to take it into his stride and not only get it into the direction that he's running in, but to adjust his body to get his feet in, in the right way around and to dink it past an on-rushing goalkeeper all in about one-tenth of a second. I mean, it's just like ridiculous ability. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like the France have ever maximized it in that tournament. They're just kind of waiting for something to happen. And for me, that's wrong. Um, you know, and it's the same with Portugal. I, I just... You know, some of the players that they have, all this attacking talent, they've had players who've scored like 25 goals. Andre Silva, Pedro Gonçalves, Jao Felix is an amazing player. And even today, I mean, I know Kingsley Coman hit the bar right at the end, but and Dembele was injured. But they have, you know, Mbappe, Benzema, even Giroud, like Pogba, Griezmann. And I just never sort of enjoyed them play and yeah, th- these guys should be a, a lovely cohesive unit that can bounce off each other and and do some really amazing things and I just never saw it and for me that's a, a real low point because I think I know I'm not a manager for a reason you know and these guys are under huge amounts of pressure but if I had some of the talent and ability that that they do in their ranks I would definitely be leaning into the attack and I never felt that from France in this tournament yeah and the weird thing is like they also have some of the best defenders in the world like the defenders they don't bring to the tournament could be the defenders in a tournament winning side you know what I mean so for them Mm -hmm. to go from sort of being a team that can get a boring goal and then just shut the game down to a team that can't keep Switzerland out with a two-goal lead late like that's really hard to understand um all right we'll move off this game but I just want to ask you something about the penalties Mbappe's unlucky I think he hits it well maybe not I only got one look at it it looked like he struck it pretty well but does he maybe uh does Lloris maybe owe him an apology for not saving the Vargas one? I mean, I thought Lloris's technique on how he went approached the penalty kick out, sh- kick out shootout was dreadful. And I, I'm not a keeper, know anything about keepers, but like there was one where he was like walking across the line, looking at the ball go in the back. It didn't seem like he. I mean, maybe his whole thing is I'm gonna wait. Some keepers I know instead of going early and picking a side will wait. It didn't work for him, but it did almost work for him on the Vargas one. He's got to keep that out, right? Yeah, I mean, I thought he he did actually at the time because I thought Vargas looked really nervous stepping up. I mean, he's only a young young kid from from Augsburg, um, and yeah, I think his wrists were very weak. But actually, I think on the whole, Switzerland took some great penalties, particularly when you consider that two of them were from centre backs. Um, you know, Akanji's one was excellent, Fabian Scher's one was excellent, and you know try not to bash on Lloris too much because I think he made a really good save from Rodriguez, even though I felt that he kind of made it a bit obvious where he was going to strike the ball um, in, in during the 90 minutes. But yeah, I mean, it, penalties are kind of like that one way. It just needs the keeper to guess the right way. And that's, and that's what Jan Sommer did for, for Mbappe at the end. But for me, Lloris should be saving that one. It was kind of central, not so strong. And in, and I felt like he kind of fell back for no reason when he should be standing strong there. Yeah, well, it's it's Switzerland through. I think, 
I mean, to say they deserve it is silly. Of course they deserve it. But I, there's just no question that France pro- shouldn't be crashing out there, not having gotten the position they did. And it's um, there's, there's obviously going to be an inquest related to the manager. I think some of the players have to look at themselves too for not being able to just see out a 3-1 because whatever you want to say about Deschamps, and I've got plenty of time for criticizing him, and for managers generally, as you probably know. Um, yeah, at 3-1, see the game out. Uh, you know, just, just mm-hmm. see the game out. Um, to be fair, I praise Pogba. He's kind of at fault for the equalizer too, but I don't think we're going to get stuck into Pogba the tournament he had. So we turn our attention to Spain um, winning another fun one, 5-3. I mean, it, it's funny because I'm after the France game, you forget how fun the Spain game is with two goals coming in extra time. Um Spain are like low-key fun. They make like 800 or 900 passes a game and take about 15, 16 shots a game. It's it just, it didn't happen for them in the first two games really, but now we're seeing, I mean, 23 shots in this game, 883 passes. Croatia certainly played their part as well. Um, I don't totally know where to start, so I guess where I'll start is first just to get your thoughts on Spain, which is, are they low-key like a lot more fun than we realized? I think the thing we were concerned about with Spain is that they didn't have the guy to put the ball in the back of the net, but they, they just get involved in these games where there's a lot of goal mouth action. Yeah, for sure. I mean, actually I thought we were fairly justified in expressing some concerns about their goal scoring. Um, I thought in the first two games they were very casual and slow and you know, the, the horseshoe of death was yeah, out yeah. on more than That's one fair. occasion, but they've just kind of, snapped into life now since that Slovakia game and I think they found a nice formula particularly with Ferran Torres out wide who's kind of a lot uh, more striker than winger I think uh, which helps Morata as another sort of uh, sort of direct threat whereas you know Pablo Sarabia or uh, Gerard Moreno maybe like to be on the ball a bit more but I think Ferran Torres is very direct and I think that helps Spain but yeah, we we were definitely concerned about their lack of goals. And, you know, I think they're the first ever team to score five goals in back-to-back games at the Euros. So, um, and not only that, but they've just found a wonderful way of sharing the goals throughout the side. Um, I mean, today there were five goals scored, five different scorers, and you can't really ask for much more than that. So I think uh, Luis Enrique has managed to find a formula that suits them. Yeah. I'd, don't think we can understate the importance of Busquets in this side. Um, I think since he came back from, obviously, from the COVID isolation, he's just been such a calming presence in that midfield. And today he was excellent again um, alongside Pedri, who's just a dream. And I could probably speak about him for an hour and a half on his own, but... Well, well, let's get into um, yeah. Pedri because as sensational as he's been, he is involved in the first goal in this match and not in the way you might anticipate. No. Um, where do you fall on hilarious, calamitous goalkeeping errors? Feel terrible for him? Have have a sense of shame about it? Don't really want to celebrate it or die laughing? Enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, no, I had huge secondhand embarrassment. I was like okay. ready to turn my laptop down. And, mm-hmm. You know, um, it was really awful because I can put myself in those shoes and I just could see him there and I I felt like this, he wanted the ground to come and swallow him up, you know. But for me, I think obviously the, the finger is immediately pointed to the goalkeeper and rightly so. I mean, Pedri, let's be honest, he put some, some vim on the back pass. It's not exactly an ideal one that you'd want to face if you're a goalkeeper, um, particularly when the sun's in your face and, 
you know, you're kind of controlling the game. So your concentration might not he be. He puts out such a casual one. foot to stop it. Yeah, but that's it. It's just so lax. And, you know, goalkeeper or not, a professional footballer should be able to control that ball. Um, and just seeing it slowly trickle in, it was just like, oh, no. Like, oh, I just wanted to go in and claw it back out of the goal. But um, to be fair to him, he actually responded really well and he made a couple of excellent saves in the game. So I think he, he had his own redemption arc in that game. Spain have a guy named uh, David De Gea on the bench. Like, obviously, they go on to win this, so it doesn't matter. But is this the kind of thing that could lose Simon his place in the next game or no? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if if it's he had a, a nightmare... Fluke. I get it, you know? <laughs> yeah, if he had, like, a nightmare for the rest of the game and looked like a bag of nerves, then maybe. But I think... As I said before, I think he responded really well. Um, he made one amazing save in extra time from Kramerich. Um, and don't forget, it was 3 all at that point. And then they went up and scored down the other end. So, um, you know, I don't think, obviously, one mistake like that should be, uh, you know, a point against him. But I think he clawed a couple back during the rest of the game. Would you say that maybe there's a little Spider-Man pointing meme thing between Germany and Spain to the extent that, like, they both seem to be able to control the game and a lot of the ball and a lot of the possession, but if you can get them going the other way, they can be got at. I mean, I realize Germany hasn't put the goals on the board that Spain has in consecutive games, but they both dominate the game. At times can settle into that sterile domination, but when they get it going like we saw against Portugal for Germany, they can really turn it up. But I I just don't feel confident that in transition they, they can keep the opposition out. Are they reasonable analogs for one another in this tournament? Yeah, uh, potentially. I mean, for me, Croatia didn't even have a kick in the first half. Um, but all it took was like a couple of direct runs from Rebic or Petkovic, for example, when you could kind of see Laporte and Eric Garcia scrambling towards their goal a bit. And, you know, it's difficult when you're in such control, your high is li- sorry, your line is high. You know, you're kind of used to stroking the ball around and all of a sudden you have to sprint back towards your goal with a striker. It's difficult. It's difficult to change that mindset. Um, So, I mean, every team, I haven't seen a single team in this tournament that haven't been, you know, vulnerable in, in one way or another. So I'm not putting too much stock into it because I think Spain have have played very well in the last two games. But as we mentioned, you know, if a couple of guys get running at them, then obviously they they can be vulnerable because they push the fullbacks very high and leave essentially the two centre backs alone for for themselves. So we have to see, but I think they found a, a bit more balance in Eric Garcia next to Laporte instead of Paul Torres because I spoke about it before. I just really don't like the the two left footed centre back thing, um, and I think Eric Garcia brings a lot more natural balance to the to the back four, even though I don't particularly rate him so highly. I have to stop for a minute on this game and just make one point. I was very critical of Lloris's uh, technique and approach during the penalty shootout, and I don't think he was good, and I'm not going to take that back even if I'm wrong, but um, so many incidents today, it's insane that somehow I managed to forget that Lloris actually saved a penalty in regular time <laughs> um, at you know at, at a time when it looked like Spain could be crashing out, could have gone 2-0 behind, um, we don't need to wind back to that, but it's just, I think it's a reminder of how mental this day has been that it slipped my mind that Larice saves a penalty to keep it from going 2 0, that lets France go up 3 1, that winds up not mattering because they get clawed back to 3 3 and crashing out. Um, 
but yeah, yeah i mean i think your mind is frazzled because i mentioned it earlier but oh did you, okay you, there you, you go know. thank you yeah <laughs> well it's because i criticized Lloris for his penalty shootout action and my mind is frazzled i mean it yeah. is it is a long day of absolutely mental football not to mention a, a couple hours of podcasting earlier today so i apologize for that but um, no, 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 as we roll on with this extremely professional job that i'm doing um the extra time was a lot of fun and it is sort of one of those things that you just expect to have boring extra times and then get to penalties. Neither of the extra time periods were like that, but we got two goals uh, from Spain in the extra time for Murata. It has to be, you know, redemption, right? I mean, he's, we've heard about how his family have been harassed by people on the street and it's unpleasant. And like, whatever you think of the guy that is certainly not in bounds and shouldn't happen. Do you feel good from, I mean, not that you have any investment in Alvaro Murata, but He's not a bad player. He's had a bit of a mare in front of goal. Getting the winner in in extra time, it's it's nice redemption, isn't it? No, no, for sure. And actually, it was a, an incredible finish. Yeah. You know, on his left foot to take it like that, and he just kind of rifles it into the roof um, of the net. You know, the goalkeeper had no chance. And for me, I've I've got no issue with Morata. I think he's always been a very streaky striker um he'll score like four in four and then not score for six games and he's kind of been like that his whole career but i mean if you look at him and his ability i mean he's got everything you'd want really he's quick he's good in the air he's quite strong uh good on both feet but i just think mentally he he lacks so much um security in himself and and you can really see it like when he misses some chances like it looks like the end of the world um, and I think one quality that all good strikers have is the ability to just shrug everything off. Mm-hmm. And I, I never feel that from him. And it's the same with Timo Werner, actually. I think these these two guys share such a, a similar mentality. But I think that that would have taken a world of, of sort of responsibility and weight off his shoulders today. And, you know, good for him because he, he didn't stop trying the whole game. And even though he missed a couple of... Uh, you know, fair openings. I thought he took his goal really well, and hopefully that can be a, a bit of a kickstart for him later into the tournament. Yeah, well, Spain gets Switzerland. Um, I mean, I, I would have kind of liked to see Spain, France, but Spain, Switzerland could be very fun. Switzerland, you know, been no slouches in terms of the entertainment value. Do you have an early leaning in terms of how you see that one going? Oof, actually, I don't. I think it's it's really difficult to tell. We don't know what their, their shape is going to be like, um, having played... 120 minutes you know in some intense heat both sides you know we don't know if they're going to change anything uh tactically or or systemically should help yeah that's true i mean to be honest switzerland are full of good solid professionals i mean if you look at their squad there's some really established names there in the premier league and the bundesliga so you know they're no they're no joke, and you saw that today that they have quality to hurt teams when when they put their minds to it. But for me, I just think Spain are in such a nice purple patch at the moment, and you know they they seem to be clicking going forward. And I think if you put some real pressure on that defense, on the Swiss defense, I know they handled it mostly well today. But you saw, you know, for about thirty minutes they couldn't get anywhere near to France in that second half. And I think if Spain really do what they do and like suffocate them with waves and waves of attack. I think they could maybe crumble. Um, so I, I'm just leaning towards Spain at the moment, but it's, it's really difficult to predict. Well, and the other thing is France only had 55% possession. Like I'm not saying that's nothing, but there mm-hmm. weren't long periods where Switzerland would push back that first half in the back three, they never really seemed challenged the second half early on. They really did sort of get dominated a bit, but you have to think Spain is going to put them on the rack a bit, have a lot of the yeah. ball deep in their in their defensive third. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what they do. That's mm-hmm. what Spain do. That's what we've we've known them to do for for a, a long time now. So yeah, for me, Busquets is a huge plus, and yeah, Pedri was just incredible today. Really, I mean, just just watching him, I mean, it's it's a joke how how smart he is, how technically strong he is. Um, he's played fifty two. Or I think he started 52 games for Barcelona last year, and, and in extra time, he's he's out helping his his left back in the corner flag and, and driving into the middle to create more opportunities. And it's just, you know, that's football in its purest form. And I love watching him. So he's 18, uh, unreal. He's 18, yeah. Yeah, what a talent. And I mean, uh, it, it, just just definitely a player. It's going to be fun to watch him develop. I look forward to that one. I, I think. We can't let you go before I quickly get get one word about tomorrow. So, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. everybody just wants to hear quickly what you think of Sweden-Ukraine. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You already pissed off all the Swedish listeners anyway. Um, oh, so, my, mentions, my mentions knew about that as yeah, well. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> He's at underscore yeah. Phil Costa. England-Germany, <laughs> um, nil-nil in penalties, but all kidding aside, um I I kind of sneaky like England in this game because I think Germany can be hit on the counter. Is there any little possibility you think Southgate sets up to play that way? Maybe tries to get you know as much pace and, an injection of pace in the front line as possible to to turn Germany around when they get the ball back, or is it going to be more of the same? What what do you expect from this game? Well, actually, the early talk is that Southgate might go for a three. Um, well, after watching how well it worked for France, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to try and match them man for man. Mm. Um, but I think England have been largely solid in in the tournament. I don't think they create too much going forward, but I don't think anyone's given them so many problems. Uh, I thought actually Scotland probably did it the most um, in that in that game at Wembley. So, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards England, actually. I'll, I'll fancy them. You know, I can't deny the talent within Germany's ranks we've spoken about it before but for me they're just so unpredictable they could either be amazing or disastrous or all in one I mean we saw the best of both worlds against Hungary when they managed to claw their way back and then collapsed again and I just think England are much sort of steadier and you know uh, much more aware of themselves at the moment so I'm gonna slowly and hesitantly lean towards England but I think it all depends on what system Southgate chooses because I think changing things might spring some difficulties like it did for France today. Yeah, that is a very fair point. Do you, do you anticipate that Saka will keep his place, mounts back, so probably not? No, I think Foden will come back in, which is a shame. Mm. Um, I, you know, My interest in England peaks uh, considerably when Saka is involved. Yeah, of course. Um but yeah, I, I do think he'll he'll be dropping out. But you know, I think he's definitely under place on the bench after his performance uh, in the in the last game. So um, maybe it's not a bad thing if he can come on and affect things from from that kind of view with fresh legs. Are you is is Germany your second team? Like, do you have any any pull of of emotion in this one, or is it easy? You just all you're all England. No, I mean. I've never really been huge on England anyway. I've it's it's changed in the last couple of years because I feel like they're a likable team mm. um, with some likable young players, and I believe in in what they're trying to do, not only on the pitch but off the pitch. Um, so yeah, I've I've got a strong affinity towards some of the players there now. But um, 
international football for me has always been second to, to club football. Yeah. And I'm sure it's similar for a lot of people. Do you, will you get the pit in your stomach feeling though when it kicks off or, or it, it doesn't reach that level for you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll be okay. nervous. Okay. I'll be nervous. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be working. So maybe that will take some of the edge off for me. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Um, I, I'm excited for it and I, I I'm going to root for England and, and I, I hope that Bukasaka pl- plays a part in it and I hope that he, scores the winning goal, but mostly I just, I think it'd be fun for them to continue. I think it keeps the tournament exciting. I I do think that this will be a counterattacking game for England. And it's interesting because I think mostly in this tournament, Phil, like they've, they've had the onus on them to do more of the attacking and have more of the ball. And I, you know, I don't know that it's always suited them, but defensively they've, they've been solid. I think they'll get tested more without the ball in this game, but have space to attack. And maybe given the way Kane played in the premier league, you know, as more of a, a hold-up man, right? A win the first ball and set someone free. Maybe this will suit him, I think I said this on a prior episode, to, to play more of his Spurs role and spring those counters. So we'll see if it plays out like that. But if it's my idea, then it almost certainly won't happen that way. In any event, um, we'll have we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow and and maybe even Sweden-Ukraine as well. Uh, I think we'll do we'll, we'll leave it there, given that it's it's pushing midnight your time and and you got a, a busy day. Again. Pushing one a.m. Pushing one a.m. your time, that's right? Because you're yes. on the continent. Yeah, one a.m. Yes. Well, that means it's tomorrow. Yeah. Get to work. Phil's on Twitter at underscore Phil Costa. I will. <laughs> Cheers, man. Thank you. Yeah, my name's Elliot Smithy. Block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We're gonna keep pump, pumping these out, even if it takes Phil till one a.m. in the morning, and and that's because we have him chained to his desk. So anyway, um, hope you enjoyed it today. I'm not sure we'll get another day like today, but what a tournament it's been. Big game tomorrow. Uh, well, two games tomorrow. Let's not let you look. There's Swedish listeners, and we, that's the big game. That's the one you care about. But remember, as long as your team's still in it, wherever you are, whoever you support, it's coming home.